Well, let me ask you, Larry, did you get the feeling that the Eagles were due for a loss? You know, I, I just felt the last couple of weeks something didn't look right. And last night, those giveaways and everything in Washington is tougher than most people think. What did you think of that game last night? Well, it was a great game. You know, everybody stayed with the game until the end. The, the, the thing that really hits me about that game last night is the, the entire NFC. To me, the NFC is probably one of the strongest divisions in the league right now. You know, the Giants are doing well. The Eagles are doing well. The Commanders are doing well. I mean, that, that's, a, that's, that's a tough league to be in right now. So it, it's very competitive. And I think it's a, a league that everyone wants to wants to watch every week. All right. Well, I'm going to get back to that in a minute. First, I want to talk about a couple of quarterbacks with you and get your thoughts. <laughs> um, why are you laughing? I haven't even said anything yet. Okay, because I'm sure you know where it's going first. All right. We'll we'll head up to uh, uh, Soldier Field. Okay. <laughs> Justin Fields, NFC Player of the Week a couple of weeks ago. 106 quarterback rating, 178 yards rushing, a record for quarterbacks. That was against Miami. He followed that game up with a 99.4 quarterback rating, 147 yards rushing against Detroit. And even if you go the week before that against the Cowboys, the Bears, you know, those last three games, they averaged 30 points. Fields has been the star. And, of course, the Bears lost all three games because that's kind of where they are. But Justin Fields has gone from – is this the guy for Chicago? Can he make it? You know, well, what are they doing in Chicago? But all of a sudden, now they're all saying this is the best player in the NFL. As a defensive back, you tell me, what do you see in fields? Well, I, I see a very difficult guy to defend. Um, number one, he puts pressure on the defensive lineman to keep him in the pocket. And then, you know, not only not only does he is he effective, just as a drop back passer or a roll a rollout passer, he's very effective just in running. You know, when he runs, you still you don't know if you should come up to tackle him or you should stay with your receiver because he has the type of athletic agility to to do both. Right. You know, has right. good eyesight around. He, he, he's really a quality quarterback. And you know what, Scott? He's reflection. He's a reflection of the new age quarterback. That's what I was going to ask you about. You know, yeah. the, the NFL became a passing league, but I'm wondering, is there a little bit of a turn going again? I mean, especially because of field, because look at the success he has. You know, he's big, he's strong, and he outruns everybody too. Right. And, and he's sort of reflective of the, the new direction of the game. Um, you know, in, in the old days, basically quarterbacks were dropped back guys right. you knew where they would be you know um and and you defended that now you got guys that can drop back you don't know if the drop back was the play or not you know they can in other words it's putting a lot of pressure on the defenses however across the board i think in the entire league these athletes are just getting so much they you know you, you got defensive backs is six foot four right <laughs> you know Right. 225 pounds running a 4-4. Four, four. Those right, kinds of things. Right. right. Well, you know, it's uh, it's just a, an interesting thing. All right, so let me change directions for now on another quarterback. This is just kind of a, a, a heck of a milestone for this guy who's getting so many acc accolades his whole career. Brady now reached another milestone. He's now passed quite a bit past 87,000 yards in the regular season passing, 
and over 13,000 yards in the playoffs passing both records. And if you combine them, he's well over 100,000 yards now. 57 miles in receiving, you know. Tom Brady now is probably one of the older quarterbacks, you know, in the league. Isn't he? Probably. I think he's the oldest. I think he's, that's right. That's right. And and being the oldest quarterback, you know, over the last couple of eras, he's he's seen it all. You know, you can't, you cannot deliver a defense he's not seen. You cannot deliver, I mean, he, he understands the game. He plays the game well. And the, I think the main thing about Tom Brady is that he reads defenses. Well, you know, Larry, good. I think you hit the nail on the head for his longevity. Yeah. Because he's seen it. Yeah. You know, they think they've got him fooled. You, you know, they really don't. That's right. You know, and I think that, but he also, you know, he does something that these young guys, like we were talking about Justin Field a, a moment ago. I mean, he had a tough collision where he actually lowered his shoulder in the end zone the other day, and he, you know, knocked over the uh, guy trying to tackle him because he's big and strong. But Brady just sits down if there's a problem. And, you know, Brady avoids these hits. And I think the younger quarterbacks, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, Patrick Mahomes, you know, they, they like to hit guys too. <laughs> I think that's going to that, – that only shortens your career. Running backs don't last 22 years like Tom Brady did. I totally you know? agree with you on that. However, however, in one year, they're going to make more than, <laughs> yeah, yeah. than the old quarterbacks made in years for years and years. So, Well, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It's all That pay scale makes it worth it to these guys to go all out on every play. Exactly. The pay scale does, Scott, and, and the volume of quality athletes coming through our collegiate system. So do you go to sleep at night wishing that you could wake up and you're 25 years old and you're on the Giants again? <laughs> that, that's a good question. I, I don't, at this point, I can't wish that, but I really, I'm probably in the back of my mind, I really do. <laughs> I just think of all the lunches you'd be buying me. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> all right, well, let's, let's put Tom Brady in perspective here. Aaron Rodgers is the closest quarterback to Brady in the yards passing as active quarterbacks. And age. <laughs> well, and he's pro approaching 40. Yeah. But, he, but he's only just past the 63,000 mile uh, yard milestone. Brady's past 100,000 yards. So it's going to be a long time before somebody could catch him. I think after, uh, after Aaron Rodgers, the next closest active quarterback is Stafford, you know, on yeah. the Rams. And he's only in the 50s, 53,000 uh, yards. I think I might have said miles for. Uh, Rogers at 63,000 yards. So Brady is so far ahead of everybody. You think somebody's going to get to 100,000 miles, 100,000 yards in our lifetime? Besides Brady, obviously. Well, he's the, you know, um, I don't really think so. I think that, you know, I think he's the epitome of multiple errors. Right. And now I don't think that, not only with the salary base, but also with the, with how competitive guys are now, I don't think that you're going to get guys playing in the NFL as long as he's played. Right, right. Yeah. And so, that on Monday night. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just, just that was it. it. Just that his longevity has established his credibility. Right. And he's been good all the time. He's been effective and supportive of the team all the time. And so I, I think that's, that's where his history will go.
I, I was always against New England. I, I liked when Eli beat them in the Super Bowl and and put an end on, you know, in the last two plays of the game to that, uh, you know, uh, season where they would have won everything, every game and everything. But now I've become a big fan because I guess, you know, us old guys stick together. Uh, last, last night at Monday Night Football, they said Brady is now one in the USA, England, Mexico, and Germany. All right, what were you going to say? I was cutting you off. Well, no, no, I was just going to uh, talk about Belichick. Tell me, what were you going to say? Uh, uh, basically, Belichick, I think, is an exceptional coach. You know, he's, he was in the world. I was in the world league with him. Right. And a little bit with the Giants. But I, I just think that, that Belichick has sh he's shown through his performances that he's able to create What's my what's my acronym for team? Together, everyone achieves more. Right. You cannot be on a Belichick team and be divisive. Right. He creates coordination. He creates he creates collaboration between both the offense and the defense, and they support each other on the sideline. So I think Belichick really is a key that that needs to be mentioned in all of this. All right. Now let's go to the other end of quarterbacks, <clears throat> Baker Mayfield. Is this guy completely out? It's his fifth year. He's got like a 61.2 completions in his career percentage. He's thrown for over 15,000 yards, 98 touchdowns, 60 INTs. In his third season, 2020, he was 11-5. and five. They won a playoff game, and they lost to the Kansas City uh, in the next playoff game, 22-17. to 17. Kansas City had a fourth down at the 50-yard line and about a foot, and they went for it. If they would have, uh, and they made it, so they ran out the clock. If they would have uh, been stopped, Cleveland might have had a chance to beat them, and then Baker would have been playing in the AFC title game. In 2021, he played the entire season injured, and Cleveland just dropped him, and they brought in uh, Deshaun Watson, who we don't know for his guarantee of $260 million if or when he'll ever play even. But can Baker come back, or is he just relegated now the rest of his career to a backup quarterback? That's a great question. Uh, um, I think he's going to be able to play. The only oh, thing he can I, play, I think, but will he get the chance? Well, he, he, he'll get the chance if he performs in practice. At the end of the day, you know, he's still I, – I, I totally believe that the taller quarterbacks are the more effective quarterbacks now in the NFL because – they can see when you get defensive linemen averaging six four six five raising up their hands, then you have defined what your offense is going to be. If you don't roll out, if you don't move the the line around, you won't be able to get the ball out of the pocket. Yeah, so I, that's where I think the, the 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 interesting element is if you select a quarterback that that's his skill set, then you're going to have to align your offensive plays around that skill set. Right, right. You know. Now, is Dak Prescott, last quarterback we'll talk about, you know, right now, can he go to the next level and be in that upper tier? I think Dak has proven, you know, that not only is he he's an effective leader when he's injured, you know, he, he still played pretty well. He took care of his knee. He was, they said that that he was, he stayed in that locker room lifting and doing longer than anyone else to try to recover. Those are the type of reflections that, you know, quarterbacks can do to impact the entire team. And I think that Dak, Dak has that ability. Okay. And uh, he's in a great environment here. In right, right. 
Well, when we come back, Larry, we're going to talk about some games from this previous weekend and then some upcoming games. But first, we're going to take a break. We're going to bring our producers in, uh, Zeke and Scott, and give them a little trivia time. No mercy on them. No mercy. <laughs> come on in, guys. There, all right. There they are. All right. Scott is ready. Zeke is ready. Okay. <laughs> this first one is going to be for Zeke. Who played in the game known as the Ice Bowl, and what year was it? I don't know the year, but it was the Cowboys in Green Bay. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna give you we're gonna give you some credit for that. When you were born, it was before. I'm gonna guess was, the year. I'm gonna guess it was in the '60s. It was 1967. You know, uh, that was uh, that was for the NFL title. It was still called. And then Green Bay went on to play in Super Bowl two. They won. Green Bay won Super Bowl one and Super Bowl two. And I'm not bragging about them because I don't like Green Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we always talk about how we root against teams, you know, more so than we, you know, because I'm a Bear fan, so I have to root against all the teams in the division. You know how that works. Um, all right, Scott, this is for you. This is a little bit harder, but you're a sports guy. You're a sports buff. Seek, you'd be watching him because he's pretty sneaky and typing up these uh, Google uh, <laughs> answers. Uh, yeah, 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 showing us those hands. <laughs> All right, Scott. Who are the two quarterbacks in the ice ball? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, come on. Think about Green Bay. Who is their big star quarterback in the past? Uh, Bart Starr. You got it, baby. Now I'm going to give you a hint so you can get the uh, you can get the cowboy quarterback. On Monday Night Football, there was some announcer that would sing a song at the end of the game when it was a blowout. He would sing out, "Turn out the lights, the party's over." That was the same guy who quarterbacked the Cowboys. Come on, Scott, don't let Zeke steal it from you. I'm going to give it to Zeke. That's a hint. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you guys. It was Mandy Don Meredith. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I have not heard Larry, that Isn't name that a before. terrible thing that we just heard? <laughs> I, I'm so <laughs> proud that I, I've interviewed for Generations Broadcasting. I interviewed a gentleman. I just thought of this, so I don't remember his name. <laughs> but he was Don Meredith's high school coach. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Where Don Meredith was a, was a famous Dallas Cowboy quarterback, and then he was uh, part of the uh, uh, trio on uh, announcing on Monday Night Football in the beginning for many, many years. Where is Don from? Somewhere in Texas. I, I, I don't, I don't remember. I think it, out in West Texas somewhere. I think it was. All right, Zeke, you got a legitimate one because I didn't help you. Scott will give you some points for uh, trying to help you. Um, and now you guys better Google Don Meredith later. All right, go away, guys. Let me and Larry finish up here today. Larry, that's really an age thing that's bothering me, these young kids. Don Meredith. Come on, how do you not know who Don Meredith is? Scott, I'm going to have to give Scott some Oklahoma football trivia. You know, he, he flies around the country to go see OU play. This year he's not having much fun at it. Oh, really? I'll have, we'll have to start going back into the... Uh, uh, the history books of OU and see if he, he, he knows who any of these people were. All right, so Larry, the Packers come from 14 behind to win in overtime against the Cowboys. Their struggling rookie receiver Watson has three touchdown grabs. 
Is this a turning point game for this young kid that they're high on? And is the pack back? Well, you know, I never count the pack out uh, because of because of which position? Their quarterback. Right. He's, uh, I mean, you can't put up many defenses that he's not seen. And so I, I think the Packers are really never out of the game, especially while he's not injured and he's still in the game and he can still have impact. So I don't think they're gone. But I think that any time that they play a team, that they're going to, you know, they're going to perform as well as they can. So do you think it might have been a turning point for this rookie who's struggled all year, but they've been high on him and they catch his three touchdown passes, you know, in the game? Does that, like, get him over the hump of rookie jitters or whatever? Well, you know, that might do it. But the next game, uh, the defensive, you know, the defensive plan is going to be to stop him completely. Right. Okay. So one, one game in the NFL does not, dictate how good you are, how you perform. Right. Uh, a series of games will, will predict that, you know, your what your yearly contributions were. But uh, week after week, that's what defenses are. They, they adjust themselves to take away what you feel is going to be the most effective offensive pattern for you. So, okay. no, they're not going to let him just walk out and run, run by people. So if he happens to hear this podcast, you just put him in a state of depression. Because he, because he's probably no. higher than a kite with those three touchdown catches. And Larry, just put it in perspective. Well, I mean, he's he's an <laughs> offensive player and I'm a defensive player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. Well, now here's a team that continues to shock me every week. You know, Minnesota, and now they come from 14 behind to beat Buffalo. So is this finally Kirk Cousins' year? Oh. Uh. One That's now. hard to say. You know, the teams in the NFL now, to me, the talent um, is, is somewhat equal. And the key to each game now is how you prepare for that game versus what the strength is of that offense or how you prepare for that game versus the weaknesses of the defense. Right, right. So, so I think that's why the NFL, I think, is such a uh, – it is on is always on such a rise in terms of people wanting to look at it because you can't predict it anymore. Right. You know, one, one week, something happens and next week, something else is going to happen because it's those coaches jobs to look and see what happened last week, create something to stop that. And if we lose, we're going to lose on something else, not what happened last week. Well, and the, the one game that I could, I could understand Detroit was down 14 points to Chicago against the Bears, and they came back and won. Now, those those two teams really aren't where they want to be at. So I could see Detroit against my Bears coming back from down 14. But with next year, uh, it, the Bears, I think, are, are molding the team really well. Any help on defense? Do you think the, the Bears are a playoff contender next year if they uh, patch up some defensive holes? Well, no, I, I, I don't. And I think that the league is at a point now where you can't predict what's going to happen next year. What I do believe, though, is that the Bears, uh, to me, the Bears are reflective of what we just talked about. Their coaching staff are making the adjustments not only game to game, but half to half. When you go in at halftime nowadays, it's a you know, it's a scholarship, a scholar type of situation because you have to, you don't get but a few minutes in halftime. You got the offensive guy is putting up the competitors' defense. The defensive guy is putting up the competitor's offense, and you have to be focused 
in terms of, okay, what did I do to get us where we are and what can I do to get us to a win? Right. So let, let me ask you about that. Now, you know, we always hear about these adjustments. They have very little time at halftime. Are they really making key adjustments at halftime? Oh, yeah. Are they really coming up with information and like, let's talk about defense. Are they really making changes for the defense? At they're, making complete, they're either making complete changes of the defense or, or they're highlighting who's not being effective in what they practice for that week. In other words, there could be, there's 11 guys on both teams. So but both teams have to coordinate themselves very well. And, and the only difference is if a team has done very well in the first half, that's what we're going to talk about. How can we stop? Them? Right. You know, if they've not done well, in other words, that halftime, that halftime situation now is not all about injuries. Obviously, you know, you, you got a lot of injuries in, 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 a, in the NFL. But the main thing is understanding the strategic challenges of offense versus defense and defense versus offense. Last night, and here's a question for you about the officiating. Last night, the camera shot was perfect. It was like you saw it over the ref's shoulder who was standing there. And uh, the Philadelphia runner, his face mask was grabbing. They're turning his head and dragging him, and he drops the football. And that was, was a key moment in that game with Washington and Philadelphia. Do you think we need to have replays on certain penalty calls or non-calls? Well, you know, honestly, I, I think we have them now. I think well, that, not, 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 on, not on penalties. We have replays on play, on, on a certain play. Was he inbounds? Was he out of bounds? But yeah. on a face mask or a hold, there, there's no replays for penalties. You think we need to install them? Well, I do. But, uh, for instance, on the game, you know, last night, they, they right. showed where the guy, they, they, they're showing, you know, how can they the show? Play... But there was no penalty on that. They, they, what, they took the replay to make sure it was actually a fumble. Which was which was a problem with the referees, not the players. Right, but it was a fumble, but they didn't call the penalty. I mean, if somebody's grabbing your face mask and pulling your head sideways, there's, there's a chance you might drop the football too. They couldn't do anything about the non-call and the penalty. They were just able to say, yes, it was a fumble. See, I, well, my opinion I on that is that maybe, they need, to, maybe huh? they need to add more referees because at the end of the day, that's, that's breaking someone's neck. In, well, no, the, the, exactly. Even even uh, uh, Troy Aikman made comment about that on these fifteen yard penalties where somebody could get hurt. You know, like uh, you know, uh, uh, hitting the quarterback or not hitting the quarterback. You know, there there I, I think there needs to be uh, maybe without a replay, maybe the uh, the guys in New York can just make that quick call if a flag should be thrown or something. I mean, you know, even in the baseball, they they. Uh, they overturn the umpires all the time because it's key elements to the game, mm -hmm. you know. So I think uh, I I think they should do it instead of sending apologies to teams every week for a non-call or a wrong call, you know, get it right. Just just you know, just change it. It's it's tough being a ref. All right, so it, it, it is. Um, I have a comment on that though, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, the referee system is a system that hadn't changed. There's a lot of older referees now. Than right. it was in the past, and I, I believe that either you need to add more referees 
you know. Right. Uh, because the, the game is fast and it's much faster than it used to be. Right. And 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 the you know, you just can't follow the guys because they're going at a different speed. And you know, I think they might need to add a little a few more referees to make sure right. that they get a, a vision on all of the different well, I like them to get together when they know somebody blew a call. They can get together and talk about it. Right. So the Cowboys are six and three. They're playing the Vikings eight and one. Is it you know it's six and three? It's hard to ask this question, but is this kind of a must game for the Cowboys to try to keep pace with Philadelphia? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it, it is monetary. I mean, if you look at the numbers, obviously right. that's that's the case. Uh, but you know, the NFL, the impact on winning and losing in NFL is not only is primarily who's not injured and who's going to be there for the the whole year. And, okay. and that's what it's a game to game analysis. To me, you can't, you cannot predict from day one or from half the season who's going to be the Super Bowl winner right. because of, because of injuries. <clears throat> the winner of the 49ers at five and four, the Cardinals four and six, they're playing this weekend. Does the winner make the playoffs? Uh, or, or we'll, again, see we'll see who's injured. We'll see who's not. <laughs> okay. How surprised are you that the LA Rams, winners of the Super Bowl, don't even seem to be competitive this year? Does that surprise you at all? Well, I think they're, I, 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 uh, I know where you're going with it, uh, but I do still think they're competitive. When, when you get to the middle and the three quarters of the NFL season, it's just not about who who you see, uh, what eleven guys you see on television. Right. It's 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 primarily the the injury list, who's filling in, and how that how that affects the entire timing of both defenses and offenses. All right. So you can't predict the NFL. You can you can predict baseball maybe you know because you're not gonna get many hit butts in baseball. Right. But you just can't predict it in that manner. It's, a, it's according to how we stay, how, how each team stays together, how they stay focused, and how long they can stay on one page. And one day I want everybody to know that I am going to get Larry to tell the stories of players during the season, not at practice, not at the game. What goes on behind the scenes? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're pretty good. Yeah, that's a good one there. Yeah. All right, Larry, before we leave today, I first I got to say, I expect you to come dressed like this to every podcast. <laughs> You're making me feel guilty. But but Larry, you know, truly an American, he he voted proud of it, proud of the country. Right. And he uh, he you look dapper, man. <laughs> you, you, you really do. You, you look real dapper. Thank All you, right. Man. We're going to let before we go, we're going to leave everybody with a clip from a World War Two guy from an interview I did years ago with Charles Alford, the sweetest man, came to the interview in his World War II uniform, talks about being in the Battle of the Bulge, a liberator of uh, Buchenwald, and uh, um, had some great comments at the end. So I hope you guys enjoy it. You can see all of these clips in the podcast on generationsbroadcasting.com. So until next time, Larry, good to see you, my friend. Thanks, Scott. Thank you guys, and we'll see you soon. All right, see you soon. Take care. 
sent me to the 6th Armored Division. Mm -hmm. We were planning to spend Christmas in Belgium. Yeah, we spent one night in a house in Belgium. Patton, you know, he promised that he would get his troops up there in 48 hours to Bastogne. Well, we were part of that. And so the next morning we walked or rode tanks to Bastogne. Did you know the significance of that battle at the time? No other than that, that we weren't prepared for it. Everybody thought, no, they're not going to attack through the Ardennes. But they did. The garments they wore, they were dressed for that snow. Mm -hmm. You know, they wore those long oh, yeah. felt coats that, down to their boot tops. And when, when they got shot, they just lay down there and freeze to death. And frozen bodies all over the place. Mm -hmm. And stayed that way for 30 days. Mm -hmm. Now in Germany, did you ever make it to any of the concentration camps? Yes. Our division stumbled across Buchenwald, which was down near Weimar. And I say stumbled across because nearly all of them were stumbled upon by uh, whoever supposedly uh, rescued them. It's three miles from Weimar, and it's in the woods. Right. And the Weimar people claimed afterwards they didn't know it was there. You know, they didn't know what they were doing. But I, I find that hard to believe because, you know, they burned people in the pits. Right. And they're bound to have smelled something burning out there in the woods. So we never did believe that. The gate was open. The Germans were gone. They just abandoned these camps. When the troops came close to them, they just took off. And there were dead people all over the place and sick people laying on their bunks and whatnot and, and racks of people. And some that were still running around, they were trying to catch the Germans who'd run off in the woods trying to get rid of their uniforms. What did you think when you saw some of the people in the camp? Oh, man, just sickening. I just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. I went through the, the headquarters thing there and uh, they had a room in there, a concrete room, that had meat hooks hanging in the wall. And there were scratch marks on either side of the meat hooks, oh, which boy. tells me that they hung captured people by yeah. their chins on that meat hook. And they scratched those walls trying to get off of that thing. They were just uh, unbelievably mean to people. Did you speak to any of the prisoners? Oh yeah, we you know made conversation with them. What, were, what did they tell you? What did they say? Well, they wanted us to help us catch the Germans. What they wanted us to do, and of course our goal was not to stop and help them. We reported it to division headquarters, and they notified whoever's going to do that. Sir. Now you were in the Battle of the Bulge, and recognized as a liberator. Out of all your experiences, which were vast, what was it that really, all these years later, you still think about? Perhaps the gullibility of the German people to let Hitler do what he did. That's, a, that's, that's hard to believe. Kristallnacht, the night they raided right. all the Jewish stores and things, broke all the windows. Uh, as a matter of fact, I served on a war crimes commission afterwards, Right. before I came back home.